0: The Doctor Is In is a co-production of Avi Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.
1: Hi, Dr. Ray. I love your show. Let me show you what it looks like to be a holy person, and maybe you'll want to be holy like me.
2: You just patted yourself on the back. You seem like an honest guy. But you're a psychologist. Do you have some advice?
1: I don't know. I'm not going to tell you what to do. You're my second favorite Italian person.
3: I think you have a way of
1: making people feel relaxed. She needs to feel the consequences of being a jerk.
0: You know, I was looking for a deeper
1: answer. Obviously, I'm a failure. Obviously, I'm inept. You are awesome.
3: Keep up the good fight, my friend.
1: Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in
0: Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray.
1: I'll confess it. I am a pro athlete trapped in an aging psychologist's body. Nice to have you with me here on The Doctor Is In. This is the Friday variant of The Doctor Is In. I used to say version, but the variant has now become a much more recognizable word. The variant is relatively straightforward. We take previous calls. Well, you don't. I do. I'm just saying we to make you feel part of the program. I take previous calls. Refer them to Andrew check my producer, man, and editor. They were from shows anywhere up to two, three months ago. Listen to the call. Refresh myself again with the call. And then, depending upon... The direction of the call, I either speak a little more to what the person was bringing up, the caller, or there's something that needs to be explained, and I don't have time within the call to explain it, maybe particular diagnoses or or a misconception about something. Or there is a direction I could have gone but didn't go, because I heard the caller wanting to go in their direction. Sometimes I take a direction that the caller didn't ask about because I I sensed that there was something underneath it. I don't do therapy with the calls, of course, and I can't diagnose, and I certainly will not comment on another therapist. That's not going to be done. But here on the program, we can educate a little bit, give some ideas, talk. So, that's the essence. There was a columnist, I, I think he was one of the most creative, if not the most creative columnist, that I've run across. I think he's since retired. His name was Dave Barry. Dave Barry wrote columns about life. And he wrote columns that, well, like all good humor, had truth to them. What makes something funny is that it does have a grain of truth to it. So Barry says this. I probably shouldn't admit this to you younger readers. But when my generation was your age, we did some pretty stupid things. I'm talking about taking crazy risks. We drank water right from the tap. We had aspirin bottles that you could actually open with your bare hands. We bought appliances that were not festooned with helpful safety warnings such as, do not bathe with this toaster. But for sheer insanity... The wildest thing we did was prepare to be shocked. We deliberately ingested carbohydrates. I know, I know it was wrong, but we were young and foolish. And there was a lot of peer pressure. You're at a party. There would be a lava lamp blooping away and a Jimi Hendrix record playing. Uh, a record was a primitive compact disc that was operated by static electricity. And then, when the mood was right, somebody would say, you want to do some drapes? And the next thing you know, there'd be a bowl of pretzels going around, or crackers, or even potato chips. And we put these things in our mouth and and just eat them. I'm not proud of this. My only excuse was that we were ignorant. Ignorant. Not like now, when everybody knows how bad carbohydrates are and virtually every product is advertised as being low carb, including beer, denture adhesives, floor wax, tires, life insurance. Back then, we had no idea. Nobody did. Our own mothers gave us bread. Today, of course, nobody eats bread. People are terrified of all carbohydrates. As evidenced by the recent robbery at a midtown Manhattan restaurant, where 87 patrons turned their wallets over to a man armed only with a strand of number eight spaghetti, do what he says he has pasta. But as I say, in the old days, we we didn't recognize the danger of carbohydrates. The reason we the reason you got fat was from eating calories, which were tiny units of measurement that caused food to taste good. When we wanted to lose weight, we went on low-calorie diets in which we ate only edible foods, inedible foods, such as celery, which is actually a building material, and grapefruit, which is nutrition but offers the same level of culinary satisfaction as chewing on an odor eater. The problem with the low-calorie diet was that a normal human could stick to it at most for about four hours. At which point he or she would have no biological choice but to sneak out into the garage and snork down an entire bag of snippers, snickers, sometimes without removing the wrappers. So nobody lost weight and everybody felt guilty all the time. Many people in desperation turned to disco. (laughs) That gives you a flavor, so to speak, of Dave Barry. I can use that column as a jumping off point. In the sense that if you pay attention, everything coming at you in the news, on social media, will kill you. It's all high risk. This morning, I came across what appeared to be not a satire. It appeared to be legit. guy was some kind of expert who said... In the shower, the shower curtain sheds particles of plastic, which are not good for you. My son Peter's 26. He's fairly media savvy, does stuff that makes him be aware of things. And he says, everything's going to kill us. It's coming at you. In some respects, this is partly what happened with COVID in the sense that many, many young people in the 20s and 30s wouldn't let their grandparents visit the 3- and the 5-year-old because the grandparents didn't get the jab. And now the research is coming out all over the place that this thing wasn't quite as safe as they touted it. So, what's happening is, if you pay attention to all of this, I I read a lot about research, nutrition, lifestyle, various things. It's endless. The amount of stuff that is bad for you is supposedly everywhere. It's in the air. It's in the food you eat. It's in the wrappers that you put around the food. It's in your smartphones, it's in your microwave, it's in the tires of your car, it's everywhere. The chemicals are everywhere. Now, I'm not minimizing that there could be real risks in things that we take for granted every day. I'm certainly not saying, oh no, there's nothing's gonna hurt you. I'm not saying that, don't mishear me. The life expectancy in the US has continued to go up until just recently. It leveled off, and it is somewhat declining. That is related to the riskiness of the way we live. Uh, deaths by despair, overdoses, suicides, and also uh, the fact that uh, the obesity epidemic is really taking people down. I saw a statistic, this is just an aside in in the, was it the the early 1900s? Do you know what percentage of the population was considered overweight to the point of obesity? 1.2. 1.2%. It's now approaching 50 among adults. And even kids. It was unheard of that kids would be overweight. So those factors are the only thing that is basically keeping for the first time in a long time life expectancy from going up. But Doug Ray, modern medicine, technology, that's what's doing it. Despite ourselves, that's what's doing it. True. That is true. Nevertheless, all of these things that people are hyper vigilant toward, and you can you can take this to an extreme. You truly can. You can see poison everywhere. Now I'm sitting in a room that has multiple shelves of all kinds of broadcast equipment, and I hear hums, hear the 60-cycle hum. I see all kinds of things that could emit some kind of radiation. Now, I don't know. I don't know how much. I don't know genetically how susceptible I am to those things. But at the same time, Dave Barry makes a point. I saw an article not so long ago where the guy was basically saying one. He, he basically said it was poison. B- bread. White flour is poison. That He labeled it poison. Well, it may not be good for you. Or, well, let me put it this way. It may be empty of nutrition refined flour but poison I don't know I'm getting up there in years and I've been eating bread like crazy all my life I'm Italian you have to eat bread it's a law so just be careful regarding all of the things waiting out there to get ya and remember our life is not here in the sense that This is our journey to a life we await. When we come back, we're going to jump into the look-back calls. Thank you for joining me. I'm Dr. Ray. He was a doctor of the Church, a Carmelite, and one of the most famous mystics of all time. Matthew Bunsen and the doctors of the Church. St. John of the Cross wanted to help all Christians to become saints. One of his most important teachings was to encourage us all to learn how to love. For there is no love, he said. Put love,
4: and you will find love. He died in 1591. For more about the Doctors of the Church, visit doctorsofthechurch.com.
0: Underwritten in part by this not-for-profit.
2: Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into the suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to lordteachmetopray.com
3: and click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB.
0: Underwritten in part by the following nonprofit.
3: Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things you don't believe in? There are options. You can join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based health-sharing community, plus Solidarity HealthShare can save you money with prices starting as low as $384 a month for families.
2: Call to see how much you can save.
1: 844-398-9399. That's 844-398-9399.
0: Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot?
1: Cool, too cool. I was not so long ago listening to a trio at a dinner club and I almost walked out because the bass player who are supposed to be the coolest guys in the group was peeking. Yeah. You're supposed to play with your eyes closed, get into the mood of the accompaniment the bass. no he 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 was looking he was peeking i saw that i said something i yelled you're looking which kind of brought the bouncer over but all right okay let's uh let's see what we got here Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. celeste celeste from illinois is talking about standing strong holding her ground with these juveniles. She would like to support our first anonymous mom whose daughter basically said, I'm not gonna go to the college where you guys said you were gonna pay for it, and I'm gonna move in with my boyfriend. And there was a note up there that, that said, and I, I think, I, I think Eric was that he, the boyfriend, was diagnosed bipolar or the daughter was diagnosed bipolar. You had, we don't, I don't know, do you remember? Daughter was, oh, the daughter was diagnosed that, okay, by the counselor, apparently. Yeah, all right. So the daughter had been in counseling for a couple of years, which indicates that the daughter was probably pretty upset, and it had been building during that time. Happens a lot. And then when the kids get old enough, they think they have quasi-independence, and they turn from the way they were raised, but it had been building. Now, Mom said there was no social media which is an unusual situation that the daughter still did this. But it kind of speaks to the fact that something or things altered that daughter's view of her parents and of the way she was raised and of traditional morals and religion. So Celeste from uh, Illinois wants to add to the call. Well, she she had a similar experience, and she'd like to say, Dr. Ray, you may not have said it articulately enough, so I will step in. Hi, Celeste.
3: Hey, Dr. Ray. I love you. You're awesome. So, so I just want to give encouragement. I'm going to cry because I got a text from my daughter last night. It took 15 years, and we were in the same situation.
1: Wait, 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 we- wait. It took 15 years for her to write that text. How long of a text is it?
3: <laughs> well, no, I mean, 15 oh. years of me praying for her. Oh. But we were in the same situation where she had college all paid for, and she decided to uh, go move out and live with a guy. And we said, that's, that's not what we're paying for. And... Um, so we had to cut her off financially, and, it, and we went against family members who thought we were mean. So we were dealing with a lot of pressure from all around. But I'm telling you, she not only came back to us, she came back to the faith, to the Catholic faith, stronger than ever. And, it, and, and last night, I got a text from her, and she said, Mom, Thank you for hanging in there with me. I'm so sorry. And you're the best mom ever. I couldn't have asked God for a better mom. And it's just so we we got to stand our ground. And well, I tell you
1: what, you we, stood your ground for 15 years.
3: Well, a lot of prayer and that's we're Catholic. We we pray. That's what we do. We pick up our rosary and we pray. And I prayed and I cried and I'm crying joy now. And and she has she suffered the consequences of stupid decisions. Well, and Celeste, we is, this, is, her.
1: is this the first you've heard from her in 15 years?
3: Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, okay. She, we we She cut us off for a couple of years. It was a okay. couple of years where there was no communication. That, that's, that's
1: typically the way it goes, yeah.
3: Yeah, she didn't get... She did not get what she wanted, and so we were the bad guys. And there was pressure from an aunt she was very close to who was supporting the bad decisions. And, and so there was a lot of pressure. And we didn't give in, and we loved her, and we told her we loved her, and we were there for her. But we did not help her financially, and she went through a hard time. And it's really hard to see her kids do that, but, but it, it turned out okay. And, and I just want to tell that, Mom, if you give in to demands from a kid like that, they're never going to respect you. And my, and now I have the daughter that I didn't have all those years. I have a daughter stronger and better than ever. And that, and that is worth waiting for.
1: Where's and the I aunt with all this?
3: She cut me out of her life. And mm-hmm. um, actually, she died of cancer three years ago without forgiving me. So, so she decided really what you hard. did
1: with your daughter was absolutely horrible. It was unmotherly.
3: Correct. I got a phone call one day, and she said, you're her friend. You need to go be her friend, and you need to support her in her life decisions. And I said, I'm not her friend. I'm her mother, and I will not support decisions that go against her faith.
1: Your and, sister, and is, she, is that, I'm assuming it's your sister, right, Celeste?
3: Yes, it was my sister.
1: Uh, your sister represents so much of the thinking that has now taken over our culture, where people like yeah. you who say, I don't want to feed into self-destructive behavior. And when right. you try to do that, you are you are bludgeoned by not yeah. only the, the psychologists and the counselors and the social workers, but you are bludgeoned by your relatives who say right. I can't believe you are so heartless. You're not heartless. You love your daughter endlessly. You loved your daughter more than your sister did, that's for sure.
3: And it, it caused uh, I mean it caused us a lot of pain and anguish. My husband and I stood together in it and it was so hard to see her do things that were just not good and not the way we raised her. But the other part of this is if you're raising your children in the faith and they will. If you just hang in there, and she now she remembers everything that I taught her about the faith. She remembers everything, and 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 now her faith is so strong. It's amazing.
1: I would imagine that many of you listening would look back some years, some decades ago and say, I I was not connected to the faith like I am now. Matter of fact, some of you would probably say, I had no faith. I wasn't interested. I figured there was a God of some sort, but he didn't really grab my attention. I was living life. And for whatever the reason, God's grace moved you, circumstances were put in front of you, that you began your journey back to God or toward God because you maybe never were with God back when. I don't know the exact percentages. They're not high. They're not high that people return to the faith they were raised in. But but there is a certain amount that do. Typically happens in the 30s. A lot of times it happens because of Kids. Kids are a number one factor at making people more traditional if they have children. Something about the protective instinct, looking around at the culture and the way that it does things, that is a much more danger to one's children than one viewed the culture as a danger to oneself. So, that's a factor. The other factor, gosh, I'm going to run out of time, is what I call Savior Relatives. I'm kind of surprised that Celeste's daughter came back around as 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 aunt was fueling her behavior. And who knows how much aunt directly or covertly said, your mother's a bad person because she doesn't understand you. That definitely could be a factor in a child returning to the way they were raised. If you got relatives or someone saying to them, the way you were raised was awful. The way you were raised was stifling. The way you were raised was rigid and judgmental. The way you were raised, people don't relate to anymore because that was religious, and our culture is not religious. But it's interesting. I, I would be so ever. I'd be so curious to see what was it in Celeste's Daughter's life where she decided the way I'm living isn't isn't working, and maybe my parents weren't as bad as I thought. Maybe what they taught me is workable, is valuable.
5: Father Benedict Rochelle,
2: There are legitimate differences of opinion in any religion. There are differences of opinion in Catholicism. But in Catholicism, you expect that people will take the teaching of its supreme authority seriously. To go diametrically opposed to those teachings is to not be a Catholic. Someone in the name of Catholicism is sponsoring the destruction of human life, lives of unborn children. And he got the name Catholic on the door. The highest authority in Catholicism and the encyclical Humanae Vitae, Evangelium Vitae, is absolutely clear that no Catholic can support abortion and that Catholics are responsible to take serious action against legalized abortion. The people you
6: know and trust are on EWTN. How do we listen to God? Contrary to popular opinion that God only speaks to the privileged few, the Catholic Catechism tells us he communicates to all of us through our conscience. On our hearts, in our most secret core, God has inscribed the moral law. This law calls man to live and to do what is good and avoid evil. In the aloneness of the sanctuary that is our conscience, our Creator's voice echoes in our depths. When he listens to his conscience, says the Catechism, the prudent man can hear God speaking. Conscience is a judgment of reason whereby the human person recognizes the moral quality of a concrete act about to be performed, is already performing, or has already been performed. John Henry Cardinal Newman Defined conscience as the law of the mind whereby God speaks to us behind a veil. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism.
1: Thank you for joining me. This is Dr. Ray Grandy to Dr. in Monday through Friday, 1 o'clock Eastern Time. I don't think I handle this very well, at least... Uh, didn't work out we we lost our dog for a couple of days so i somebody said you don't put it in the paper you use social media so i did i put it on facebook and i i said here boy and still haven't heard yet so we'll see this is look back friday so we're gonna take another call see where we go with it um Kent calling from Texas this is a, a question that I addressed I had a, a book called When Faith Causes Family Friction and one of the questions in the book was I didn't live the best now my kids are getting older they're teenagers and uh, well how much do I tell them in my younger
2: life, I lived a life of indiscretion. Like I the have word, three children, indiscretion. I have, I have three children from previous relationships. Whoa. And, yes, whoa. And uh, after almost 30 years of marriage, my wife and I decided that, uh, not decided, we felt called by our Lord to adopt two children. And we have now a three-year-old and an almost four-year-old and an almost nine-year-old. Here's my question. I have somewhat of a relationship with two of my older children. How do I explain when it comes up, because we don't push anything. We allow things to happen organically, I guess,
1: is the word you might use.
2: How do I explain or talk about when it comes up, my past life?
1: Why do you think it's going to come
2: up? Well, because we do see, um, I do see my uh, older daughter. They're, they're part is, of your life? Uh, two of them are, and one is kind of, okay? So my son, who is now 40, is part of my life, and his wife, and my daughter, who is, well, it's a math thing,
1: 32,
2: is also part of our life. You figure at some point, the kids
1: are going to, the three young kids at home are going to understand, wait a minute, who are these people? Yeah, exactly. They haven't yet. And, you know, they haven't yet. What do they think? They think this is an aunt or an uncle or a friend? We refer to them as, my older daughter is called Sissy
2: and her husband is called Buddy. Okay. Okay. So, you know, Mm -hmm. we live in Texas, Dr. Ray, what can I say? Sissy and Buddy. And then my older son, they call him, they refer to him as Uncle
1: Adam. That just seemed easier at the time, Dr. Ray. This is going to sound, I believe, funny to some people, but what would be the purpose of telling your kids, say, in the next three, four, five, six years, that you had these indiscretions? before you were married and these are children from another woman what would be the purpose to do that there would be none unless they ask so you don't want to lie to them
2: i'm not gonna lie i'm not gonna lie uh, okay. and so it might be you know it might be daddy um where where did you know where did adam come from where did uncle adam come from so i i it was not and so you know
1: You're saying you're saying that if they ask, if they ask, if they ask pretty much have always taken your advice wherever we can.
2: You know, we're we're longtime listeners, Dr. Ray. That's why it's such a privilege to speak with you. So we we pretty much allow like when they when they have asked us questions, uh, for instance, about being adopted. I mean, their skin color isn't the same as ours, for instance. And so they'll ask and I'll say, well, honey, that's the way God made you. And when God brought you to us that is we've never we don't ever lie to them we we, we we haven't done that whole tummy mummy thing dr ray and all that kind of thing okay.
1: if you're if you're worried about them thinking gee this guy that i thought was a religious fine upstanding young father had his years as a rapscallion oh boy that's a kind word that's okay. a kind word thank you i know you, Raps- I'm yeah. being, you said indiscretion that's even kinder yeah, well, we're kindest to ourselves, right? Yeah. So if you're thinking, I'm going to lose the respect of my children if I do that, there is a way that you can, I think, eliminate that possibility, which is right now I love the Lord, but I wasn't always like that. And when I was younger, I didn't pay much attention to him and I did things my way and the lord doesn't force anybody to do things his way and when i did that i had a child by another woman three in my case yeah but you don't have to say all three i mean if they're just asking about uncle adam all right Yep. you can just simply say now a lot of times parents are afraid they'll say well if i have to if i have to tell them About my early life, which was anything but the Christianity that I embrace now, will will I lose their respect? Will I will I lose their love? Will will they say, "Well, what do you know, Pop? You did it." So don't tell me I can't sleep with my girlfriend. It's always what parents fear. But if you put it in the context of, this is what happens when you don't do it God's way, things get complicated at the least complex indiscretions you might call them and <laughs> that makes give, sense yeah. you know given that you can tell them that you can say hey look i i did not i thank god by the grace of god he called me to love him and serve him and i'll tell you what guys that's why you're with me parents often fear that if their children get wind of Sometimes it's, sometimes it's the grandparents who tell the kids, Oh, your father, I'll tell you what. He ought to tell you some stories about the way he was when he was 16. Yeah, grandparents don't do that. They feel that if they, or they think that. Let me Let me cut out this feel stuff all the time. They think that if it becomes apparent into the child's awareness, the parent did some things that the children will lose respect for them or the children will uh, have an attitude of well so did you so don't tell me that doesn't happen when the parent admits to not living God's way when the parent you can use it as a lesson when the parent essentially says yeah I did it my way and look what happened or I did it my way and this was the result most people cotton to contrition they don't look at it like well who do you think you are I'm going to comment on this a little bit more and then we'll, we'll take another call on the other side of the break
4: What if you moved more? Could this change the course of disease? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. Dr. James Hicks of the University of California says that exercise not only helps prevent disease, but it can actually alter disease trajectories. If you are able to move in some way, you can move more. Even seated, just move your arms and legs more. That's adding cardio to your life. If you add lifting a few weights or using bands, this can help. I said help prevent major diseases. Don't forget counting gardening, walking a big box store, bike riding, and even dancing. We are encouraged to add 7,500 steps a day to our life. One day last month, I fertilized the lawn, weeded the garden while listening to great Catholic content, and walked the dogs twice. I got almost 10,000 steps in before 3 p.m. If I can do it, so can you. For more, look for our Journey Strong tab at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net.
6: Catholic Connection with Teresa Tomio. We're all going to suffer. No one is getting out of this life unscathed. Even if you're an agnostic or an atheist, everyone is going to suffer. The rain falls on the just and the unjust, as our Lord tells us in the New Testament. So what do we do with it? Do we just say, oh, I'm so glad that's over and don't learn anything from it? Or do we say, okay, God, this was not fun. Or as St. Teresa of Avila, the great doctor of the church and my patron said, if this is the way you treat your friends, no wonder you have so few, right? Like, really, Lord? Seriously? And that's okay if you express yourself that way, obviously with respect and love, but St. Teresa of Avila did it, and so many saints expressed their frustrations that way. But at the end of the day, they still came back to God and said, okay, Lord, this really stinks, but I know somehow at the end, I'm going to come through it, and you're going to show me what you want me to do with it. Catholic Connections, Teresa Tomio. Weekdays, 9
5: a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio.
1: Okie okay, doke, this is Dr. Ray. Just talking to Kent from Texas. As Kent put it, uh, he had some <clears throat> indiscretions. <laughs> before he came to our Lord. And those indiscretions led to three children by, I think, three different women out of wedlock, obviously. He has adopted two little ones. They are... It's interesting. I'm doing the math here. And I think he said they're three and four, someone there. But his son that he sired is 40. 40. So let's just say he was 17 when he had the indiscretion. So that would make him 57 now. And he has a three and a four-year-old. Well, Okay. So he's concerned about what to say if and when it comes up and who are these three people, two of whom are integral to his life now they have a relationship and one is is kind of sort of here and there and we talked about the whole idea that you can always say I didn't do it God's way and I was I want to extrapolate a little bit more I want to look back on my look back which was a look back of that call so this would be a look back squared parents worry that when they tell their children what they did when they were younger or if it comes to light somehow that the children are then going to think I don't have to view this person as a righteous model because obviously they were not always that's not what usually happens when the parent confesses because they have to usually that they did things that ignored God and ignored God's way and now what they're living with, the complications, the results, are what happens or can happen. I sometimes tell parents to tell their kids, yes, yes, I, I didn't live well. And that's part of why I am the parent that I am, because I don't want you to do some of the th- same things I did. I am trying to raise you in a way that you don't experience what I experienced. So, I guess you could thank my past for me being the stricter parent that I am from the culture in particular. The other factor in this equation is that you don't have to give them the nitty-gritty they they asked about this adult in their lives. Who is he? You don't have to say, and you know, by the way, while I did all that, I was into heroin and uh, I slept around all over the place. I'm surprised they only have three. You know, you don't have to do any of that. To what end? To what purpose? I want to be transparent. Again, transparency, full transparency is... In many respects dangerous because why why would you say okay let me tell you the nitty-gritty of every rotten thing that I did just so I feel I can get it off my chest and you can know all about it they don't have a right to know you're not totally transparent with everybody are you you don't go to your boss and say you know boss I'm pleasant to your face, but I can't stand your guts. But I just want to be transparent, you know. Or you tell your wife, I love you very much, but I got to admit, I look at other women and think all kinds of things. Now that's, you tell that to the priest. Okay, let's see. If I do it now, that'll take me to 48. Yeah, I, I can do that. Diane from California, it says here, all it says, this must have been my note that I made on this call at the time mean sister these family members that can get nasty i mean do they cuss do they what kind of nasty do they get
5: oh no no it just doesn't speak to me the way she speaks to everybody else in the family like she's she's very critical of me if i say something that sounds like i'm trying to tell her what to do she gets very upset so like if i tell her uh, don't forget to pick a card You know, I mean, something as silly as that. She'll look at me with this death look. She, she just, there's a lot of little things. They're little things, but I, I tend to pick up on them. I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe it's OCD. I don't know what it is, but I tend to pick up on them. So I, I used to get upset. Okay. So now I've heard you enough times to know that there's no point in getting upset. And if she's not going to change, she's not going to change, and I need to change. I need to change the way I look at her. But I don't know how to treat her. It's more like, do I stop calling? Do I just only talk to her when she talks to me? That kind of thing.
1: Would it make any difference if we know what relation she is to you?
5: She's my sister.
1: Okay. Is your and sister
5: she live nearby? So I don't uh... see her very often.
1: So how many times in the past do you suppose you've given her some little tidbit of advice that she threw back at you?
5: Oh, I don't give her advice very often. Oh, are you oh, talking about that? Well, it's been a while. It, it used to happen more often when we were we spend a week together at the beach with parents and aunt and uncle and cousins. And that's when it really came out because that's when I was seeing her on a daily basis for a week so, probably a year.
1: You know, we could, we could explore what it is about your relationship, what it is about you that your sister sees that makes her so petulant about you saying anything that somehow, some way she finds offensive. There's got to be something percolating underneath it all. Do you have any idea what that might be?
5: She went through a divorce about three years ago, and... I think her husband was kind of controlling. I think he would do that, and maybe I did not realize I was doing it and at first, but now she's very sensitive about it, I guess. Mm, I, I'm not sure. Re- that's
1: I a mean, reasonable that's enough insight. Reasonable enough, could be. It could be that she just is hypersensitive to anybody who says anything that implies she's not competent.
5: Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Well, and probably being that I'm her younger sister, maybe that's... Oh,
1: awesome. how dare you. That's right, kid. <laughs> Two things. One, you've got the safety net of distance. You really don't see her all that much anymore, correct? Right. The second thing is... You already know that you can't say anything that would smell like you're giving her advice. You know that. Right. No matter how benign, no matter how helpful, no matter how kind, no matter how concerned, for whatever the reason, you can't anticipate how she's going to interpret it. Right. So what I would suggest is if you want to get along with her, probably the best way to do it is to show an interest in her life and in what she's doing. For example on the phone so hey what's been going on with you tell me all about it what's news tell me what's news now well, we went yesterday and we we went shopping and we decided we were going to buy that uh, that uh, particular couch but I didn't know if I wanted that size now you're tempted to go well how big is your living room did you You know maybe it's too big for your living room no don't don't <laughs> simply say what what made you decide how'd you decide in other words you're just immersing yourself in her little minutia of every day, and you're not going to question her on the day-to-day stuff that she does. It's probably one of the easier ways to get along with her. You can always keep the conversation focused on her. It's real easy to do. People, people naturally allow the conversation to be focused on them. Okay. Let, let, me, let me just guess here. I would suspect that your sister doesn't say, so Diana, tell me what's been going on with you. I want to hear all about it. No. I know.
5: <laughs> that, that's one of the things that bothers me is that she'll talk to other people and ask them how, they're go- how things are going with them, and she never does that with me.
1: Well, there's something about you that's sticking in her craw, and it may or not be anything you've done. It may be that you're religious and she doesn't like that.
5: No, that's she's off- in the faith as well. Oh, so, but, OK. But you can be I, I I see where you're going, because maybe I'm too religious. She's faithful, but maybe I'm too, too much.
1: Well, that could be the, the fact that you live your faith a certain obvious way, maybe devotionally. She looks at that as you're more or less spiritually looking down on her. Diana, I am, as, I am yeah. as holy as you are, Diana. We don't all do it your way, Diana. Yeah,
5: yeah, very okay. possible. Very
1: possible. Sometimes I forget. Okay, not sometimes. Pretty much all the time. I forget exactly why I picked a call for Look Back Friday. And then it occurs to me as I listen to the call again. Did you hear what Diana said? Diane, sorry. Diane said when she said she paralleled this woman's ex-husband I'm using secular terms there which is he was controlling tried to dominate her decision-making process his way was the way. And Diane said I I guess I did some of that so she set the tone let's just let's just chase this this may this may not be the only reason obviously we can't know but she set the tone and the tone was i'm going to give you my opinion or i'm going to tell you or i'm going to make comments or i'm going to make helpful suggestions that you're hypersensitive to because you lived with it for x number of years now since then diana said i don't do that i recognize that's how she reacts so i've tried to watch so here's the point i wanted to make from that call you know the statement is you never get a second chance to make a good first impression we can extrapolate that we can say once you set a certain relational tone It takes so long to overcome it because you can't just flip a switch and all of a sudden never, ever, ever, ever do it again. So the person that you're doing it to, let's just say that Diane does it 12% of what she used to. Well, that 12% is enough to keep her sister's attitude toward her in force see, she's still doing it. She's still doing it. Even though it's a fraction of what it was, many people don't look at it that way. They don't say, ah, she's way better than she was. I got to give her some slack. No, no, no. It is, ha, there it is again. There it is again, telling me what kind of couch I should buy. That's possibly the dynamic here and uh, it's a it's 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 a common one with grandparents to their adult offspring Uh, if if you set the tone early on giving too much child rearing advice then you try to stop Eh, okay but if you give any child rearing advice at all it's going to be viewed as there you go giving me child rearing advice again i better take a break because i am way past it
4: all the advice none of the bills come in the doctor is in.
2: Hello, Steve Ray here. Everything in the Bible and in the Catholic Church starts with a book of Genesis. It reveals to us God's plan for mankind, yet Genesis can be daunting, especially given the scientific discoveries of the last few centuries. Well, that's where I come in with my new book, Genesis, a Bible study guide and commentary. Discover a thoroughly Catholic approach to this exciting and dramatic ancient narrative that is so often misunderstood. You can get the book now on the store page at AveMariaRadio.net. Check it out.
3: This program is brought to you in part by MyLifeAngels.com. MyLifeAngels Angels provides peace of mind by notifying you the moment a loved one enters an emergency room. Right on your smartphone, you'll have instant access to everything needed, including all legal documents to ensure you are empowered to protect their life-affirming wishes. My Life Angels also alerts hospital ER staff with critical medical information and emergency contacts. More information at
5: mylifeangels.com.
4: Brought to you by the nonprofit Seton Home Study. Hi, everybody.
1: Dr. Ray Gerindy here. You thinking about homeschooling? Seton Homeschooling, 40 years of experience, 17,000 current students, pre K through high school. They provide the books, the lesson plan, the counselors, the grading services, the tests. That's right, pretty much everything. My wife and I use Seton. Some of our children. Tell you this, two of them got perfect ACT scores in verbal. And overall, the Seton students scored more than 100 points above average on the SAT. Over 30% higher on English and reading on the ACT. It's a rigorous program. You want to give the very best to your kids? Trust me on this one. Go with Seton. It is a beautifully rigorous academic program. go to seatonhome.org that is seatonhome.org Well if I let the bumper music play for 30 seconds I'm almost to the end of the program which was my calculation. I didn't have time for another call, so I wanted to talk on the previous call. I do very much appreciate you keeping me company during this Look Back Friday, and I thank Andrew Kruchek as always. What he does is he edits these calls. He gets rid of the uh, buttonage or the persiflage that I usually indulge myself in at the beginning of the call. little little back and forth kind of thing, and he goes straight to the person talking. Which I think he cuts out some of my best stuff, but, uh, you know, I can't control him over there. So I'm looking at about 34 seconds before we end the program, and I do appreciate your company. This is a cooperative effort, EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. When I first uh, started on this program, we had like 10, 15 stations, maybe. Somewhere between four and 500 now as well as all the ways you can listen no matter where you are on your apps or streaming. It's incredible. It's incredible. Catholic Radio can be anywhere. How neat is that? Talk about our Lord and His Church. Thank you for joining me so very, very much. You have one walk that is the only one that will last forever, and that is your walk with God. Now that tells you how infinitely important it is. For information on Dr. Ray's
0: presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.